Yo, we're back. This is Brandon Morris from the You Can Be Mo podcast. The coaches are back and they're revved up, fired up, and ready to roll. Uh, we got Coach Corey from way up north in Wisconsin, the Green Bay area, coaching at St. Norbert's College. We got Greg Leach, head high school varsity basketball coach over at Kenosha Bradford, uh, assistant coach uh, Michael Holden at Kenosha Bradford, and assistant coach Sed Young at Kenosha Bradford as well. Uh, we'll probably be having uh, another college coach jump on the line, Dennis Coleman, uh, assistant coach at Carthage College as well. So last time we left you guys with some heat, these guys were dropping a lot of nuggets, uh, talking about playing at the next level and what it takes, the things they look for in the players. And we ended that segment where we just couldn't stop the conversation. It was very interesting. Uh, we had to cut the fellas off. And for those of you guys that have been at a black church, uh, when the pastor gets to go on for too long, he had to pull on his coattail. But that's some old school stuff. So anyways... We're going to jump right into it. We're going to start off with some questions that came in from some of our high school uh, basketball player players that listen to the podcast. They had a couple questions that they, that they uh, want answered from college coaches as well as the high school coaches. And the first question we're going to start off with is what qualities does it take to catch a coach's eye? And that's high school varsity basketball coaches or college basketball coaches specifically this basketball player was looking for uh advice from a varsity coach and uh from what a college coach can see so uh, right away we're gonna go to uh on my grid i have here said young we're gonna throw that question at you coach young right away what does um what qualities does it take to catch a coach's eye This is Coach Young, first time uh, on the podcast, so he's having a little trouble, technical difficulties with his mic. <laughs> Coach Young, you're on there? You good? Yeah, I'm good. All right, here we go. Catching my eye. Uh, I'm looking, just looking for that player that's going to uh, play both ends of court. Um, defense, offensively, um, he's communicating to his teammates. Um, he's got eye contact um, and a decent – manner with the coaches on the sidelines um, overall just uh, overall overall player okay. um, opens the court alright coach Holden what can you drop on them again coach Holden is also new to the podcast he's had a little <laughs> no, I had another conversation going on sorry okay here sorry. we go coach Holden um, so um, I would say, especially for the sport of basketball or, you know, more of those team sports to see how you respond um, when when the shot's not falling your night. What what else are you bringing? Um, most players, I think in today's era, look at points or something immediately tangible that they could do points, some, some, some sort of a stat. Um, but there's going to be nights, as all of you guys and all of us have seen, where the ball just doesn't fall. So how do you respond? Um, and then how are you – how are you as a teammate? Um, 
think that speaks volume. You could be the best player in any scenario. And unfortunately, in the game of basketball, you can't win games by yourself. Um, so how, how are you as a teammate? How are you as a leader? Um, and how are you when, you, when adversity, when adversity steps in? Um, those are some things I look for. Um, and it kind of lets you know kind of what, you know, where that player is and what they're and what kind of they expect. Okay. Uh, Coach Leach. Yeah, I actually um, couldn't sleep last night, but I went back and watched uh, The Last Dance again, both episodes, at about 3 and 4 in the morning. <laughs> and um, I replayed this certain quote. Uh, Roy Williams, I don't know if it was the second one, the second video, but uh, he made a couple of comments that I just wanted wanted to uh, repeat because it really hit home with me. But... His first comment was, there was only one person that could ever turn it on and turn it off, and he freaking never turned it off. Um, and as a varsity coach, that's what I would like to see. As Coach Young said, playing both levels with the utmost energy. Um, and the other, the other quote that I wanted to share again, especially with the younger kids, uh, with aspirations for varsity or playing high school basketball. But Jordan was talking to Roy Williams and told him he wanted to be the best player that ever played at North Carolina. And Roy said, well, you need to play a lot harder than you did in high school. I worked as hard as anyone else in high school. And Roy Williams said, oh, excuse me. I thought you just told me you wanted to be the best player to ever play here. So... Um, those really hit home with me, and I think those are good lessons for anybody looking to play high school basketball. Down to Coach CC. Yeah, great point, Coach Leach. Um, and going back to what Coach Holden said about facing adversity, uh, something that we really love to see our recruits in. So I'll, I'll speak a little bit more from the recruiting standpoint and a process I do. I can't speak for every coach. Um, but we go through stages of evaluations. We have our initial just like in life, you never get a first impression back. Um, so when I always am very mindful of our guys and, and how they carry themselves is really making sure that they make a great first impression every time, no matter who they're running into, where they run into, you never ever get that back. So when I go to that initial evaluation, I'm looking obviously for skill in recruiting, um, you know, what their skill level is on the offensive end. Um, you know, some of the defensive stuff we can teach as they get to the next level um, leadership, I'm looking for in body language. That's my initial my initial read. Is this kid a winner? Could he be a fit? Should we watch him again? Um, and every time I go see a player, I look for improvement. How are they getting better? Because if we're not getting better, you're not you, you just you're gonna fall behind. Uh, I get to the point where I love seeing players face adversity and where I have to want I I just want to see them play. That's when I know they're the right one. Um, and. All it takes for kids that are looking for a coach to catch their eye is just the right coach at the right time. Um, sometimes people will tell me this kid's a D1 kid, D2 kid, D3 kid. Well, really the beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's it's really does this kid fit that one coach's style, program, what they're looking for for that day. Um, I've had guys say, well, this guy can't play here, he can't play there. Well, you never know. Obviously that coach thinks he can. So uh, to kids that are looking to catch a coach's eye, just be you every single day and be the best version of you. And if you do that, 
um, it, it doesn't take much to coach the right person, catch the right person's eye. Excellent. Excellent tips all the way around. Uh, so those of you young, young players that are listening to this podcast, uh, I'm going to just highly recommend that you pull out your notepad and start jotting some of these down because these are, again, uh, some golden nuggets. We might have to change the show to golden nuggish podcast because, uh, this is some, this is some, it's like we in Las Vegas. This is some great information uh, given to to you guys by these coaches. Uh, two other questions we'll tackle from the, the high school players uh, that they threw out there. Uh, I'm going to throw two into one. They want to know how to be mentally tough. How to be mentally tough and then advice on how not to give up and continue to get better from their mistakes. So I'll say that again. How to be mentally tough and then advice that you guys would give on about not giving up and how to get better from their mistakes. So we're going to go backwards and uh, coach Corey, we're going to go to you. Yeah. Well, I gotta, I gotta start with, uh, with my wife. I gotta give her a shout out. She gave me a great quote when we were talking about this today. It's really having been modeled and given the freedom by their leadership, their coaches. Um, Bill Jackson spoke about it uh, the other night, player led team. Um, if you feel that empowerment every single time you walk out there and you know that you have the ability to make some mistakes and your coach is still going to believe you in that trust and that relationship, um, that starts to build mental toughness. You know that you can withstand any, any situation. Um, I, I, I'm a big believer in, in Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's trainer, Tim Grover, um, he talked about the cleaner mentality, that those guys have a cleaner mentality. And we, we talked about that with our guys. And it's really getting out, getting into the zone every single day, shutting out unneeded noise every day and using it as motivation. And then you got to control what's really meant to be uncontrollable. And that's you. you got to be the steady and the calm. Um, and if you work on focusing on it and paying attention to it, you are what you emphasize. If you believe that kids uh, lead the program, show them that allow them to make some decisions, allow them to have some autonomy. And then, you know, as a player, prove it, prove it, walk out there, be the same person in, in the worst times, the best times. You're never as good as people say you are. And you're never as bad as people say you are. You just have to be you every single day, be the best version of you. Um, and you know, the, the other part of that, always getting better, you know, getting better with every mistake. You gotta remember life's full of mistakes. That's a life skill. All of us make mistakes. Every one of us have had help along the way. Every one of us to get to where we are today, we've made mistakes. But really, it's not about the mistakes. It's about learning from them and building on them. Um, and how do you get up when you do make a mistake? Um, because we all we all are really on a quest to better ourselves. If if not, you know, I I, I still have not ran into somebody that told me that they wanted to miss that layup, that they wanted to miss that that game winning <laughs> shot, that they wanted to fail. I still have not had anybody tell me that they wanted to fail every class. It, it, it's just, it happens. It happens to the best of us, but what do you do after the fact? Excellent. <laughs> Coach Leach, we're coming to you. All right. Um, first thing I would say about being mentally tough, and I'm, I'm going to take it back to the last dance again. Oh. 
One of the reasons why Michael Jordan was so mentally tough is he had a goal in mind. He knew exactly what he wanted to achieve, and he knew exactly how he was going to get there. And really nothing or anybody was going to get in his way. And he understood that he worked very, very hard to achieve that. So I think as a young kid, to help you be mentally tough, because there's so many things that can come and get in the way and blur your vision. But when you have that goal and you've worked hard for it, and you're willing to work hard for it, um, I think that helps with the mental toughness because you, you know exactly what you want and you're going for it and nothing's going to stop you. Um, obviously, Corey had a lot of great comments. Um, along with that, a, a player needs to understand that the coach does have faith in him. That's uh, <clears throat> something that I learned as a coach along the, along the way. It's not anything that I had and could or did give to the kids at certain times, but it's something that I do understand and it is very important these days. And I would, kids sometimes lose faith when coaches get upset. And one of the, the things that I learned from my high school coach was don't listen to how I say things but listen to the message mm. because, you know, I may, I may yell because I had a bad day. Uh, it has nothing to do with you, but the message, um, the message is what's important. And um, that works when kids know that you have faith in them. The kids know that you love them. Kids know that you're there for them. Um, so those, all those things kind of go hand in hand. Um, and then the last thing that I would say is be realistic about who you are and, and what, what your capabilities are. Because many times kids want things um, greater than maybe what they can achieve in that given year. And when that happens, and, and when you don't, you don't reach those goals, you become disappointed, maybe disheartened, and you, and you don't want to play basketball anymore. And it's not anything wrong with the program, the coach, or the player it's maybe setting expectations that aren't realistic. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Coach Young. Yes, sir. Uh, Coach Corey, Coach Bleach, hit on the head. It's about being mental tough, um, knowing what you want, the aspirations. Um, Hey, when I was playing the game, I walked in the gym every day because I knew I had somebody in front of me. It was that challenge? Um, I know Coach Leach is throwing a lot of stuff that happened uh, in the last dance, but what MJ did um, going in the gym, I'm being a rookie. Um, I don't care about the veteran or the best player that's in that gym or on that team currently right now. Me being the rookie or a freshman, I'm coming in there and I'm, I'm working hard. Um, I've, I've been given this opportunity to play with some of the best players on this team, um, that's a challenge for me. Um, just living up to high expectations and aspirations, knowing what you want, having those goals, those everyday goals in life. Um, I tell everybody right now, um, you know, a little bit about my background as far as where I work at. There's a sign out in front of my uh, plant facility where I work at. It says we're hiring. Um, someone gets in trouble. They lean on somebody else to try to get them out of it. 
but the sign says we're hiring. It didn't say Corey. It didn't say Greg Leach, Mike Holden, Brandon, come work for me. Um, same way in basketball. Um, we're not saying come and play for us. Um, you chose to come and play for us. Come and give us your all. That's all we're asking. Ooh. Tough. I love it. Uh, and Coach Holden, can you close us out with this one? They're asking how to be mentally tough and uh, just some advice on how not to give up and and how to get better from their mistakes. So um, I think that's a great question. I think it's um, something that I kind of recently been thinking about in life. Just life hits has a way of hitting you. Um, just as an adult, we all can relate to. Um, and obviously in the game of basketball. So a couple of things that I thought of um, when you specifically about basketball, but I think you can apply each of them um, to life. So the first thing I came up with is do the hard things. Um, in order to be mentally tough, in order to to kind of press through when things aren't going well, you have to be able to do the hard things um, right away. So you got to be able to knock those hard things out um, as barriers or, or obstacles to, to get through. Um, the next thing I would say is put the work in. Um, oftentimes we see clips of greatness. Um, and what I, what I was talking to somebody else about is we see like the highlight reel of ESPN top 10, or we see highlights of LeBron. We see highlights of Jordan. We see highlights of, you know, Aaron Rodgers. We see highlights of Wayne Gretzky. We see highlights of, um, Sammy Sosa. We see all of these highlights and they, and they look amazing. Um, but, but rest assured, um, as Kobe did, as Jordan did, they were the first ones to the gym and the last ones to leave. Um, I was recently watching a um, The Last Dance. I was recently, wa- recently watching a Kobe documentary. Talked about how after the Utah Jazz series, he, I think he went one or three of 16 or so, a horrible shooting night. Um, and immediately after losing that in the playoffs, after the game, he went to the gym till seven the next morning, putting shots up. Um, and if you can imagine, um, high school players after your game, how tired you are. Imagine playing for forty-eight minutes against the best of the best. Um, so being able to put that work in, and then that following year, his first season opener game was against the Jazz, whom he destroyed as he had put the work in. And Phil Phil Jackson kind of talked about that. Um, the next thing I would say is be accountable. Um, to be mentally tough, um, you have to be vulnerable. You have to be accountable. Um, so, so be open. Be open to feedback. Um, next, I would say break bad habits. All of us have bad habits that we need to um, sh- need to break. And more specifically, in shortcuts, don't take shortcuts um, because there's going to be a time and a place where um, that process that you took a shortcut come, you're going to miss an important detail. The next one I would say, or last one. I'm a word I made up that I kind of just been riding, rolling with. Um, it's a word called stick to itiveness. Um, and, and all that means is, is stay with it. Um, as I said on my first comment, um, things are going to go, things are going to go up, things are going to go down. Um, but the, the key to mental toughness is being able to stick through it, through the good and the bad, never get too high, never get too low is what a coaching friend of mine always says. But I would say have stick to itiveness. Um, in all things that you go through. Thank you. Coach Leach? Yeah, I just, he hit it. I just wanted to add on it. If, you know, if somebody's going to improve from their mistakes, they first have to be able to recognize 
that they made a mistake. And then once they recognize it and come to terms with it, and as Coach Holden said, now once you've done that, now you need to be accountable for it. And if you're not willing to do, to do those two things, it is going to be difficult to capitalize and improve off of the mistakes that you make. Mm. Coach Corey. I just, I wanted to follow up to it. Great points by all. Um, one of the things I wanted to say is as a coach fostering that, going back to what my wife was talking about, and she was a division one player. and She knows quite a bit. I'm, I'm blessed that way uh, to have these type of conversations at home. Um, you know, as a coach, instilling that faith in your players, building that relationship, building that trust, that they understand mental toughness, we model it as coaches for them. Um, we give them that freedom. Um, and Coach Gary Gresh, who I work with at St. Norbert, who's been, they might as well name the Conference Coach of the Year Award uh, after him in our place. I think eight out of the last 10 years he's won or something crazy like that. Wow. Um, he hands out a 20 ways to get mentally tough at work, in sports, and in life. Um, to our guys and talks about that with our guys. And, and one of my favorites that he give, talks about is when you're in a high-pressure situation and the game is on the line and everyone is watching you, remember to just smile, have fun, and enjoy it. Life is short. You only live once. You really have nothing to lose. Just seize the moment and enjoy it. Um, and that's to me, gives the players the ultimate freedom to enjoy, enjoy the ride. And if you do that, mental toughness, you just – it, it all works out. Wow. Okay. Hey, can I touch? Can I touch something on uh, what Corey just said? Yeah. Uh, was talking about. Uh, help me out, Corey. I think it said. I mean, we're talking about mental toughness here. Yep. Corey, tell me what the uh, what is it? The cleaner? What's the cleaner mean? So the cleaner is a person who is absolutely going to get into the zone every time they walk on the floor. You know, since Kobe passed, we've heard so much about Mamba mentality. That's what it is. When he walks out there, he's going to cut your throat, and he doesn't care who you are. And he's going to expect people around him or her to rise to the level that is needed to be the man. And it doesn't matter in the most pressure situations, wherever it is. It could be practice. It could be a game. It could be, um, you know, in a walkthrough. They're locked in. They know what their job is. We have a kid on our team right now. He's a junior forward for us, and he's six foot two, but led the league in offensive rebounds by forty offensive rebounds this year. Which, if you're a numbers guy, that's a lot of lot of damn offensive rebounds. Wow! And every time he gets a rebound, our entire bench is yelling "cleaner." Entire bench. Wow! He's out rebounding guys are six seven, six eight, way more athletic than him. He can't jump. He's not. He's not a jumper by any means. But he just outworks and goes, and he's going to give you everything he can to the best of his ability. He's not worried about the pats on the back. He's just worried about, I'm going to do everything I can to be the best of me every time I walk out here because I may never get this moment again. So, yeah, that, that, that's, that's the cleaner. Tim, uh, uh, Coach Grover, defines as get into the zone, um, you know, shut out every noise outside of you and control every uncontrollable. Every uncontrollable. People say stuff's uncontrollable. Control, control. So, Great. thank you. And again, for those listeners, if you don't have your 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 notepads out, you should have it out or go get one. Again, uh, just to give you guys a little picture, I get to see these coaches while they they 
give out their opinions and these golden nuggets that I keep calling them. They have iPads, they have pens, they have notepads. They, they're taking notes. They came uh, prepared in advance. Um, so not only are they giving nuggets, but they're also jotting down notes as we're going through a podcast because these guys are students of the games, uh, just as well as I'm taking notes uh, from what they're saying so I can pass on to players that I come in contact with as well. Uh, so that's that's one tip that you can uh, and the ways that you want to be a better basketball player, always be a student of the game. Um, so we're going to move on to the really anxious part of the podcast where I'm sure everybody tuned in to uh, the last dance. Actually, before we get to that, because I know that's one of those bubbling uh, let, let's try to let's address one more question from the athletes. I'm just going to ask two of you guys to touch in on this one. Uh, this basketball player said, like, how athletes or how should athletes take care of their body from injuries? Like, what should they do uh, to prevent injuries? And then when they get injured, how should they take care of their bodies? So basically, this player was telling me that. They got injured and uh, they're trying to figure out how soon they should return and should they take time off uh, because the high school season is over and then it was rolling into the summer basketball and they're trying to figure out what's that recovery period. Can you guys give them any advice? Just two of you guys can give them any advice on what they should be doing when it comes to injuries, pre-injury and post uh, Holden has his hand up. Go ahead. Um, so, so speaking to it, um, just a little, little bit, just before I get into the question, um, one thing that I've, um, Brandon and said, um, of having a child, specifically a girl, um, as you know, they're really dramatic, and it's not a bad thing. It's nothing wrong with it. Um, they'll fall, they'll run, they'll scrape their knee. Right. Yeah. Right away, early on, what I've done with my daughter, Malia, is we've, we've identified, are you hurt or are you injured? Because those are two different things. And I think <laughs> now in today's age, everything's mixed up. If you're hurt, that's something you can play through. If you're injured, that means it's a bigger issue, obviously. So I would say identify if you're hurt or if you're injured. Next, I would say um, do pre, pre, pre-injury um, I've seen high school kids and even dated back to myself when I played. Um, we really just kind of ate what we wanted to. And I get and I and I understand we have to eat what parents provi- provide. I, I get all of that. Um, but oftentimes high school kids I see are coming into the gym with McDonald's hour and a half before a game. And I um, and I and I'm definitely not trying to be naive to maybe in some scenarios. This is just the meal they have. And I get that. But try to do what you can to control your diet. Um, I think it's amazing how LeBron James spends so much money taking care of his body. Um, and I get we all have the LeBron James money, but there are, there are tangible things that you can do to take care of your body pre, pre-injury. Running, drinking water, and things of that nature. Um, so it's kind of pre-injury. Um, post-injury, I would say um, do what your physicians um, suggest. Don't do what social media tells you. Don't do with your with somebody that has your quote unquote best interest at heart. Go to a professional. 
listen to the professional, take their advice and go that way. Um, oftentimes I've seen high school people or high school athletes um, go to a doctor, go to their trainer, right? And they're like, ah, oh, that's just the trainer. Um, you know, it's just his ankle sprain. I'll get it wrapped up. I'm back on the court. Yeah, that may be true in some aspect, but it may be some torn ligaments that are deeper in there that you, by not taking the right steps, you've hurt yourself even further. Um, so I would say pre-injury, take care of your body, diet right, work out, do all of those things. Post-injury, um, follow medical advice, um, and never stop being a student of the game. My biggest frustration, I could say as a coach, and absolutely, if there's anything that can make me upset, is this when a kid's injured or a kid's hurt and they don't come to practice. Mm. I don't understand it. Yeah. You're sending such a big message to your team. Um, and it's, to me, it's so selfish. Okay. Uh, for, for our listeners, we do want to note that um, the comments that each coach makes is explicitly to them only. They don't represent all of us. So when Coach Holden is saying that, you know, girls are dramatic, that is strictly coming from him and he's owning that. Uh, we don't have no ownership in that because I know we do have some girl basketball players listening send in. Send everything on the... to my lawyer. Um, <laughs> I, I can send all my, my email out. He, he's paid for these type of things. I'll, I'll just send it to my lawyer. Uh, um, anybody else want to chime in on that? Pre-injury, post-injury? Coach, uh, I'll say, my, uh, Coach Holden said something great. Let, let it up to the professionals. Listen to the people who got your best interests at heart. Um, you know, not everybody has that, especially if you're a top level athlete. Um, don't listen to the people that are just around. Listen to people that that are there. Um, the people that you care about. Um, nutrition, prehab, rehab. Um, I have some of the guys that work out. They're pros now. Um, they tell me they never really understood what it meant to take care of their body until they became a pro. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you play a grind where you're playing 60, 70, 80 games, you, you, if you don't take care of your body, that's an expectation. And you make it a call for a tryout. If you're not in shape, too bad. You're not. You're never getting that chance again. So uh, be ready. Be ready. And I think Coach Leach, you said be ready. Uh, I, I don't remember the exact quote last time, but I know it, it's something about being ready. Um, and that, that couldn't ring truer for any professional, any athlete. You says, know, stay so ready so you don't have to get ready. There you go. That's the one. That's the one. So um, that, that would just be my two cents with that. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for those tips. That's post-injury and, and pre-injury. Uh, your body is your temple. You got to take care of it uh, to you basketball players. Got to take care of your body. That's extremely important. Um, I know you all, basketball players often question uh, why is those some NBA players sitting out for two to four weeks on an ankle sprain. But uh, honestly, it does take that amount of time for it to heal properly, for them to do your rehab uh, and to get you back to, to your 100%. So obviously with high school players, the timing affects it, and, and if you're a really good player and you contribute a lot to the team, you kind of have to, uh, you know, I guess do what's best for you and, and for your team because the sense of urgency is a lot different when you're only playing 20 to 25 games in a season versus 82 at the pro level.
Um, so, the last dance. Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, Scottie Pippen. Uh, a lot of great things that were put out there uh, during that that docuseries. And it's only two two parts of that docuseries that was shown so far. I mean, everybody all over the world, a lot of uh, my ex-teammates in different countries are talking about it and asking about it. Uh, everybody on their social media platforms are they got the the Jordan and LeBron and the Kobe greatest of all time debate going very he- heavy on so many different social media platforms. Uh, I've seen some memes is like, how did the last dance turn everybody and their grandmother into basketball coaches and and, and basketball analysts? Uh, but honestly, that's one thing I would say. Uh, Michael Jordan has been meant to the game. Um, he brings out so much in everybody, and he has affected uh, so many people in a lot of different ways when it comes to the game of basketball that one way or another, uh, you're going to have an opinion because I think that he was just that great. And for him to be considered the greatest player ever to play the game and for a lot of guys to argue that and then to see this documentary and see where he started from and the things he went through and so on and so forth and how he changed the game uh, there's one particular comment one of the New York Knicks made of, of the young Michael Jordan as a rookie saying that <laughs> he's not a seven-footer, so he won't be able to change the game. Uh, he won't be able to hang like he did when he was playing in college. Uh, you know, that won't last long. He won't be able to change the league. He's only 6'6". Six, six. Um, so that comment alone just says a lot for what Michael Jordan did to the game of basketball because before he got there, Larry Bird said it, Magic Johnson said it. He said, this was a game where we played on the floor and we did things not flying through the air. And that's just part of, of, of Michael Jordan's game. So I want to let the coaches chime in and, and, um, and, and just kind of give their take on a few questions that were, were thrown to them last week after watching the last dance docuseries. And they got their pens out there. They're looking over their notes, looking at iPads. So these guys are ready to jump in. And let's, 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 let's really rock and roll and have fun with this. Um, we, we're going we're gonna to get right to the first question. Uh, I thought this was key. They pointed out in the docuseries that going from Mike to Michael Jordan, what, what does that actually mean? Like, what does he mean by that? You know, how, how does that make a difference for MJ? You're going from Mike to Michael. Can anybody touch on that? Like, what does that mean? Coach Corey, go ahead. Well, I think that you know that's from from boys to men, right? You, you know, we're we're going from you know maybe I'm good, maybe I think I'm good. You know, I might be. To here's my validation: I'm as good as I thought I could be, and maybe beyond my wildest dreams in becoming the most transcendent athlete of all time. And I know that's a big statement, but I don't think anybody's changed an industry as much as he has changed what basketball is, what sports are today. 
across genres. Um, you know, I, I think you're never truly sure you can perform at that level until you do when you get there. Mm. You know, to hit a shot like that against the best of the best in the national championship game, Georgetown, Patrick Ewing, um, you know, who was the number one pick in the draft a few years later, uh, you, you become a man. You become Michael Jordan, and and his airness and every other nickname that comes with it. <laughs> you you now are the guy, and that it it never it will never leave. Piggybacking off what Corey said. Hey, it only takes one game. One shot Jordan took, he won the game. Um, that could be currently right now. Um, I mean, we've experienced it, Coach G, Coach Mike, at our level. Uh, we hit a shot, we won a big game. Um, that's all it takes is just one game to get your name changed from that name to that name. Uh, any other? Go ahead, Coach. The thing that I would, I mean, Corey hit it right on the head, but uh, the only thing that I would add is something to think about. Would his career trajectory gone any differently had he missed that shot? And in his words, remained Mike Jordan. Mm. Now, I know <clears throat> I was a huge Bulls fan pre-Jordan, during Jordan, after Jordan, um, but highly motivated individual my guess is probably not but <laughs> um, still just based off of his comments that this was as you know this is where he became a, he went from a boy to a man where he had all these dreams in the back of his head and he made that shot and they came forward and he just blossomed um, so it was just as Corey was talking something I thought of but yeah well, and I think it's it's that 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 buzz from something great, right? You just accomplish something great. You always want that feeling. You want to continue that on, right? Yeah. And that fed his his addiction to winning and competition. And seeing that feeling that going back to campus as the freshman, the big man on campus, he is the man now. You know, he, he still had a squeaky voice at their at their press conference. <laughs> he did. You know, he still talked like Mike Jordan, mm-hmm. but to know that. And to want to achieve that every time, I think that fed that fed the monster, so to speak. And it, there was no stopping it with him. And that is still to this day, it doesn't, because he just released the most watched documentary in ESPN history, which is a big deal. So. Yeah. And for if if some of you younger kids that are listening, you didn't watch the Last Dance like the rest of the billion people and all over the world were was watching uh that wasn't just like a preseason game winning shot or a conference that was actually in the national championship as a freshman and at that time if 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 you guys know UNC basketball Chapel Hill coach Dean Smith the legend Freshmen weren't playing that much like that because he didn't think that they should, as well as they definitely weren't starting on his team because he definitely didn't think that they should. Um, Coach Leach. Yeah, to that point, sitting there and watching those highlights and seeing Sam Perkins out there. Yeah. Seeing James Worthy out there. Yeah. Um, people, A lot of people forget about James Worthy and what a great player he was, you know, since we've moved on into – the current NBA, yep. um, I think 
he's kind of got lost a little bit. But imagine um, Dean Smith in that situation, and you're you're calling a play for a freshman. Uh, eventually, hey, swing the ball back around, and if you've got it, don't be afraid to take it. Yeah. Um, and I loved what I heard James Worthy say when they when they spoke to him, and he said, "I was better than Michael Jordan for about two weeks." Two weeks. And I, I think it's awesome that you could have a freshman walk in and the upperclassmen realize that, hey, this guy can help us achieve what we all want to achieve and have the ability to let their egos go. And uh, I was just so impressed with a guy who's been so successful in the game of basketball that he had such a mature uh, mindset so early on. <laughs> yeah, uh, that says a lot about players, uh, whether you're an upperclassman or if you've been playing on the team for a while or not, if you get a lot of minutes or not, they recognized uh, they recognized some potential that they saw in other teammates and they empowered him. And that's how you build confidence in yourself and in your teammates. Um Coach Ho, did you did you want to touch on that, or should we move on to the next question? I think the coaches did a, a great job of just answering it. Um, just to, to piggyback off of it, um, kind of bring everything full circle to, from what we talked about at the beginning to talked about now. Um, one of the last quotes that was said was, stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Um, Jordan being ready in that moment to knock that shot down. Why was he ready? Why did Coach Dean Smith trust him? He put the work in. There's no way um, any of us included, and I hate to wrap all of us into this, we're not going to put a kid in a situation to shoot a shot that we haven't seen them knock down before, that we don't feel confident in. Um, so the kids listening to this, um, every every moment in practice matters. Um, just I always hear Coach Leach talking to kids about how practice matters. It's not in games where you show what you can do. You have to earn my trust and my ability to to believe in you in practice. Um, so don't um, don't take plays off, don't take practices off, don't take drills off because it all leads to the bigger picture. And I'm sure that's exactly what Jordan did. So um, just just to kind of bring everything full circle. Excellent, thank you for that. Um, and and two, just so listeners don't think it's all left up to the head coach uh, when it comes to players playing time uh you're not just impressing the head coach at practice you're impressing the entire coaching staff because that decision is not ultimately solely based on a head coach's decision that's a collective effort uh so i know it's often put off on the head coach about playing time but collectively uh, and maybe even more so uh, on the assistant coaches because the head coach is managing the game. The assistant coaches are really keying in on those players that they know produce consistently well in practice and they can make those substitutions. Uh, and I think, honestly, the head coach may chime in on substitutions from time to time where they may throw that substitution back or they may call out their own substitution that they're thinking in their brain. But for the, for the most part, the head coaches are managing their game and assistant coaches 
can see those players that are tired or those players that fit a better matchup or if you just want to give a team a different look. Uh, so thanks for, for bringing that that out of us and calling out that point. So on to the next question. How do you, I love this, I love this question here. How do you translate or transfer a message to your players for that you guys are coaching today? The, uh, I guess the importance of why would they take the time in this documentary to point out um, the fact that Michael Jordan wrote his wrote a letter to his mother and then to have his mom read that letter? Why did they take time to point that out? What's the importance of that? How do you translate that to players today? Because it's it's often said that players don't understand how well they have it or players don't appreciate this, don't appreciate that. So why would they point that out out of all things in this docuseries? Let me go with uh, Coach Sid. We'll have you jump in first. Coach Holden will have you go. Coach Corey and then Coach Leach. I think I brought it up in my last podcast is uh, the fact that they brought that up. And then, I mean, all of us have stepped a foot um, in college or in a college class. And we realized we were far away from home and we didn't have anything. Um, so back then, um, they didn't have much or less of anything um the kids right now are you know put on a pedestal so high they don't realize that back then those players achieved their goals by working hard didn't challenge the coach um when they walked in the gym so forth um i mean that was a great point especially when i heard it i mean i went off to school and i mean i wrote my mom letters um but, I mean, as far as asking for the stamps and stuff like that, I think I actually went out whenever I had some money on my books um, or my card to go to go and get them myself. Um, kids today won't do that. Hands down, guaranteed, they won't do that. Um, you got some great high school coaches out there that um, have gone above and beyond. Um, going back to my days playing uh, college basketball, I had a I – had a, you basketball coach that you know once my family moved said hey you can come and live with me because I don't want you to move away um, but the kids don't know how good they have it now versus back then um, I, I love that point when they brought it up and you know mom was reading a letter um, that Mike uh, wrote her um, we don't do that we don't um, really uh, give back to our parents um, in college um, for what they had to do for us, whether or not they got that scholarship or not, um, or if it was just pure hands down scholarship off athletics or whatever, not. Um, especially like all the AAU things that we had to pay for to get them to that level right there. Um, it's just that understanding. The kids today don't understand what we actually have to do um, for them as parents um, to get appreciated. Um, I'll add just quickly as I want to hear what the other coaches have to say. I um, think, um, as Coach Young has mentioned, um, that letter, it speaks to, you know, while I'm busy, while this is going on, 
you always know that somebody back home has your back. Um, and just that sense of gratitude. Um, I think oftentimes life happens or um, <laughs> as you, uh, I think sometimes things happen and you don't get to appreciate the sacrifices those made um, to allow you to, to afford you the opportunity that you went through. So I think it was a mixture of how I took it in. Um, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I thought the the letter was so powerful. Um, the authenticity of his mom and the true joy she got reading that. And, and Michael Jordan, here the great, getting kind of emotionally kind of stopped up a little bit. And, you know, it, it shows how important a support system is. Every great person has a support system. Somebody cares. Somebody has your best interests at heart. Somebody wants you to truly do well just to see you do well. Um, and I thought it showed there's nothing wrong with caring and showing love. Um, you know, in society today, you know, and as we grew up, you were supposed to be hard, tough, da 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 But we all have a little soft spot in all of us. And to, to show love is okay. And to show that you care is okay. Um, and it also showed to me, here is Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player of all time, billionaire, da-da-da-da, owns an NBA team, Nike, Jordan, all this stuff. He's He came from nothing. He, he was talking about a $60 phone bill, being so sorry about that, needing $20 for stamps. It shows if you truly believe it and you're willing to work for it, anything is possible. It may not be that you're going to be the best basketball player of all time, but you might be the best engineer of all time. You might be the best accountant of all time. But that letter showed you can do anything that you put your mind to and never forget who you are, where you came from. You can change, but you never can forget your path and the people that were there and supported you along your path. And the one thing that I wanted to add, and if you guys see me with my phone and I'm not texting, I'm really, this is how I'm writing notes. Okay. Uh, what we're talking about. But for me, um, that was one of my favorite moments of either either episode because it shows to me for all his achievements, all his glory, the guy was simply human. Mm. Um, he was a real person in that moment that I could relate to. And as Corey said, you know, he's making billions of dollars and we know everything that he achieved as we're sitting watching that episode and, and to see the care and the love that he had for his mom, like we all do. Um, and he was human. Mm. He was me. He was all of you. And uh, it just brought him a little bit closer um, to me. To, to see that, that trade in him. I, I thought it was great. Yeah, I, th I think it makes a lot of sense to to have shown that. And um, Coach Holden, you wanted to chime in, right? Yeah, one quick thing. I'm just reminded of a story. Um, there was a, there's a story of a um, turtle crossing the road, and there's a like a wire or a fence with uh, wood steel posts or wood, wood posts. Um, and you just, and it's a picture. Um, so long story short, 
the, the turtle's crossing the road. Somehow the turtle ends on top of a six-foot um, post. Um, and obviously we know there's no way that the turtle can climb up to get to the post. So it's told about how a CEO of a company um, has this picture behind his desk every day. I'm sorry, as he walks in his office, he sees the picture, his chair is in front of the picture. Um, An intern came in and asked, hey, what's the, you know, what's the significance of the turtle being on the post? Um, you know, why, why is that? Um, and the man said um, something that I think that just kind of circles full circles for everything that we just talked about is everybody knows the turtle couldn't get there by himself. Um, so that is a reminder of that somebody's along the way had to help put that turtle on the post. Mm. Um, so if you, how does that translate to MJ? Just being aware that although, yes, he's billionaire MJ, there were people more specifically in this scenario, his mother, that helped him get to that point and never forgetting um, where you came from, as what Corey said, and um, how you got there. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Um, so I I watched the, the, the last, the last dance by myself down in my man cave and uh well not necessarily by myself because there were millions maybe billions of people watching it but i will say i did get emotional during that time just watching michael jordan's face light up as he watched his mom read his letter that he wrote because it took me back it took me back to my college day where my grandmother, she was big on writing, writing letters. And I can remember she, if I, I don't know where it's at, but I came across it like two years ago. She wrote on the back of um, uh, a deposit slip because that must was, must have been what was in her room or as close as she can get to. And she writes out a letter and says, hey, we just wanted to send you a care package. And then she had a couple of names on there. And it was my Aunt Asma who lived around the corner from my grandmother. And she gave you $14. And Mother Booth, the, the lady of the church who lives a block away from our house, she gave you $20. And there's a couple other names on there. Uh, and she says, we just want to give you a little care package and let you know we love you. And she put, you know, she baked me a cake that she froze it and and put it in the in the care package and a couple other things. But that letter, it just like it, it got to me because I was like, wow. Michael Jordan has the same story as many of us did in the appreciation that his mom had from writing that letter and him, you know, looking at how she's reading it. I felt like he was getting emotional as well because that took him back to that place, being that humble, vulnerable kid as a freshman. Uh, so, yeah, it does take, like Michael said, it takes a village to to raise any and everybody. And that never stops. Um, so moving on to the to the next question. Um, MJ, he expressed that he had to be the voice while Pippen was out. Okay. Uh, in that last season when they were running on that championship run, Pippen was injured to start the season off. 
Now, I was, I was, you know, kind of, I guess, thrown back that Michael Jordan said that he had to be the voice while Pippen was out because of, from what all the stories you hear, you, you would think that Michael Jordan was the voice. They always said this was Michael Jordan's team. Players feared MJ, but he openly admitted in the docuseries that he had to be the voice while Pippen was out. So that caught me by surprise. So do you guys, do you see the same type of leadership in that MJ showed during those times in your players that you are coaching today or in the last, I don't know, five, 10 years? Do you see that type of leadership in those players? So like if one of your leaders on the team goes down or is not in practice or missing practice or something along those lines are there other players that step up and take that role or is that leadership missing go ahead coach Corey yeah well I think there's a couple things there you know when you talk about MJ's voice I think it speaks to how much they thought of Scottie Pippen Mm. Um, start off with Bill Jackson spoke about Scottie Pippen being their greatest leader. Mm. Um, and now he didn't show it in that Knicks game, you know, the game seven where he didn't get the shot or whatever it mm-hmm. was. But, you know, that was a moment of weakness by him. But um, I think kids today are what we expect them to be. You know, as as coaches, our job is to set the standard and, and kids today try to meet those standards. Uh, good teams have that. You lose a leader the next leader steps up. I, I, you know, I was fortunate enough at St. Norbert to be part of a, a winning streak. We had 72 straight conference wins, which was 72, 72, 72, um, in a row, uh, over three and a half years. And in that time you had guys hurt, sick, shouldn't have won, you name it. Um, you know, we set a division three national record for most ever, um, and you still see kids rise to the occasion. Mm. They take the leadership. They want to win. They, they're, in fact, I think when great times of adversity is when the greatest is shown by your team. Um, I can remember one game specifically. We're in Chicago playing Lake Forest, or in, in Illinois, I should say, and uh, we're down you know, 14, 15 points all game. No reason to win. Somehow we hit a rainbow shot, win the game, or tie the game. We go to triple overtime. Half our team's followed out. Guys are tired. We have guys that play 40-plus minutes, and we win. Well, you don't win that. You don't break the national record. Right. Uh, but we had guys out. We had guys sick, hurt, still overcame, and won. Um, mm. So I think today's kids, I don't think that kids have changed. I think the way we parent them, the way we challenge them, the way our system works has changed. And I think kids are what we teach them to be. So to pull great leaders, it's really up to us to, to hold that standard and, and set the expectation, and they will rise and meet it. Coach Leach? Yeah, I'm going to take a, a, a side road on this and go off probably a path that um, may not have been thought about, but I don't. I don't necessarily think that Jordan was talking about being a vocal leader. I think he was talking about being that voice offensively. 
Um, Pippen was that guy. When it came to running offense and sharing the ball, I, I sleep on Scottie Pippen. And what I would remind everybody is after Jordan left, um, that Bulls team led by Scottie Pippen made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and if you remember Hugh Hollins with a, uh, a, a foul call that, as a Bulls fan, I didn't, I didn't believe it happened, but um, what could they have, where could they have gone had that call not happened? But Scottie Pippen led that team. He was the Michael Jordan for that season, and I just think that what Phil Jackson and he were able to do that year often gets missed. Um, Phil Jackson, obviously a great coach, nine championships out of 12 years. Jeez. And Scottie Pippen leading that team. Um, obviously, Hall of Famers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, to, go ahead, Coach. And, you know, to speak to that, when Pippen left, he went to the Trailblazers. They still made the playoffs. And he just he's one of the greats of all time. And, and you know, MJ's frustration showed – though that Scottie Pippen's job was a little bit easier than what we're saying because he had Michael Jordan cut into that spot, right, as a passer facilitator too, you know. Um, But, you know, when you look at players today, Kobe and Shaq, what was was their their heart of their rift? Kobe trying to hold Shaq accountable workout-wise, right? Yep. And Shaq trying to hold Kobe accountable, like, hey, this is my team, da-da-da-da-da. You know, to show Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen's growth, and then Michael Jordan mentioned and Scottie mentioned Michael taking that time off, that appreciation for each other, mm. and what that meant in the growth into that next run. Um, you know, so we talk about a voice or leadership. You see the growth and the change and how those things change. You, know, you look at Kobe growing and changing and taking a whole cast of nobodies, winning a couple more championships. Shaq changing and treating Dwayne Wade completely different than he treated Kobe Bryant and won another championship. So uh, adaptation is part of leadership. Excellent point. I, I will say this, too, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm writing my book and trying to finish it. And then listening to you guys last week, watching the last dance, talking basketball with different people. I try to look at myself and my career, and I and I often say that I felt like earlier on I wasn't the best teammate because, again, I let my competitiveness get in the way. I was a guy that used to get technicals quite a bit throughout the summer, throughout the summer, because that's when I was really trying to get better, and I felt like a lot of the terms we played in, we had good good players uh, and we will be in games or winning games and I just felt like if any time the refs were trying to help out the other team or punish us because we were much better or not give us certain calls uh, because we were better or whatever I had made up in my head um I would really let the officials know know that about themselves, and I. That's I think that's the part I, I say that I wasn't the best teammate because I would go off. Uh, 
and not just if it was a call for me, but for for one of my teammates when they're talking about, man, he keep hitting me on the elbow, and then the ref's not calling it, and I know this guy has hit multiple threes already, and I'm seeing him get hit on the elbow, and yeah, I wasn't the best. I wasn't the best teammate uh, when it came to that, and that says a lot about you know those different players, how you feed off of one another, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, just trying to reflect on, on those things. Um, so we, we talked about players that you guys coached um, and just like what you saw in today's players versus players in the past. Uh, but let's 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 dig a little bit deeper on that. Are there any players and you I think it's good to name players because people that are listening, they may know of these players and maybe they and they won't know of any players at all. But are there any players that come to your mind like right away? You're watching the last dance. You know how competitive Michael Jordan is. You know how good Scottie Pippen is. You see the work they're putting in. Tim Grover mentioned a breakfast club, those types of things. Are there any players that come to mind right away when you think of working extremely hard uh, during practice, before and after, and then holding players accountable? Coach Leach, we're going to start with you. So this is Coach Leach's first time on the podcast. He's having a little trouble with his mic. We're going to... Hey, I thought I clicked the button. I missed it. Uh, (laughs) I would like to ask... The first person that comes to my mind is Draymond Green from the NBA. Mm. Um, as somebody that works hard, um, tries to be a vocal leader, but uh, what's the difference between somebody like him and somebody like Jordan? Because I, I feel more more often some of the things he does creates dissension within his ranks. In, in the final year, you know, um, he had he had a run in with Durant, and uh, they had a few losses there. But the relationship soured. And is he or was he really being a leader? Does he know what being a true leader is? Um, he's got ethic. Um, obviously, I know skill is, but he had the work ethic. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the voice, but it wasn't taken, um, at least in that last season, in a, in a way that was helpful to the team. So I'd be interested in what it, the other coaches had to say and, and why that is, what was missing, and um, maybe if there's obviously a, another player that comes to mind for them. Mm. Anybody? Coach Corey? Yeah, uh, Dan, you want to go or you want? No, go ahead. I mean, the only thing I can say right now is I'm looking at the difference was is Draymond Green never had uh, that national championship. Jordan did. Um, Jordan had his team, um, uh, or actually, so Jordan's teammates had his back as far as uh, giving him clout. To get to the next level, Draymond Green never had anybody off Michigan State giving them clout as far as going into the league. Or um, when he won that, that that championship there, and then he had Kevin Dur- Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was already an all-star. 
Um, Kevin Grant was uh, labeled to be above and beyond so many other people in the league already. Um, same way with MJ. Um, that, I mean, really, that's that great question, GL. But I mean, that's that's a tough question, though. Um, I mean, you you can look at it in so many different ways. Um, from a basketball point, um, you can go back to both their college day playing. Um, you can talk about Kevin Durant, um, his accolades that he already achieved before he got to go to the state um, to sour that relationship. Or was it just Draymond Green's ego saying, hey, I already got championships. You came to my team. This is my team. Uh, I'm better than you. I helped win all this. Um, we've had all of us, that player or that individual on our teams that was better than our, our better player on our team that actually wasn't. So I think that's where Draymond Green fell into that line of, uh, you know, him and Kevin Durant getting into it over, hey, Kevin, you or actually, it was, I, if I'm, if I'm, I want to touch bases with what G said is, um, I think it was, uh, uh, I saw the blow up, Draymond Green should have actually passed the ball up for it. I mean, we all see as a coach sitting on the sideline, you make that extra pass. I mean, you run these plays where you can get the ball up quicker. Um, by making that extra pass or that pass ahead before you put the ball on the ground. And, and that more or less, you know, uh, soured the relationship between Draymond Green and uh, Kevin Durant. But there's, uh, I mean, we can look at that that question, G, in, in a whole bunch of different aspects. Um, and that's a tough. That's tough. Uh, Corey, help us out with it. I mean, that's tough for me. Um, I like the question, but it's really tough for me. Well, I think, you know, when you get in the league, you know, not that I've been in the league or coached in the league or any of those type of things, but um, you're dealing with a whole another level of ego. Um, and sometimes, as a leader, we got to be mindful of our tone. Um, I think Jordan, Kobe, some of those great leaders, yes, they were very hard on their teammates, and they te- their teammates will say that, but they also showed how much they trusted their teammates. And um, it seems to me that Draymond was making this more about himself. Uh, than making it about being a better team um, with Durant. And, you know, it, it almost got to be the point of where, Dur- you know, Draymond was coming off as jealous uh, of Durant. And I don't think it has anything, because Draymond's been a winner. I mean, he was a winner in Michigan in high school. He was a winner at Michigan State. He's a winner with Golden State. And, but along the way, he was the alpha dog doing that. And when you get to Golden State and you're doing this, you've got Steph Curry, you've got Clay Thompson. Those guys are a little bit quieter. They're not the vocal, boisterous people. Well, Kevin Durant comes in. Kevin Durant's a superstar as well. And he has been the alpha dog and he has been the voice. And I think that caused that friction. I thought it worked for a while. Um, but I would say Draymond Green, really, I think his tone overshadowed what his message was. And his message got blurred when he started taking his personal, his stats into effect. He got the $85 million contract and all of a sudden now, or whatever it was, now he's got to speak more. Well, no, that, that's not necessarily what a great leader is. Sometimes a great leader is the best listener. Mm, good point. Coach Holden, can you chime in on this one? Um, I think Corey... Um, you hit it on the head. Um, I think a couple of different factors or different point of views. That's co- what Coach Young mentioned early on as the way to look at it. Um, 
my first thing is a quote came to mind. I know I'm always giving random stories and random quotes, uh, but one quote came to mind is people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, so when you now let's circle this back to Draymond Green. I think that when you look at the, the dynamics of that Golden State Warrior team prior to KD being there, Steph and Clay were getting buckets. They were moving the ball, and it seemed like to me Draymond was the center of attention. He was doing all, all the right things. He was defending the other best players, making the right plays. Um, so then you, you add a, a a superstar to this team. Um, and you got your two quote unquote best offensively offensive gifted players um, are kind of quiet and kind of take the back seat and really laid back and chill. And as Draymond saying, you know, you got Kevin Durant come in and maybe Kevin Durant challenging systems or um, or maybe not doing it how they did it before. Um, and then Draymond and the complexity of it all um, trying to say, well, this isn't how it was or it, um, you know, it's, it, it wasn't like this before, and we did it this way before. And I think, Corey, to your point of, you have to be careful of how you say what you say, um, because you never know how somebody else may take it in the time. Um, so to Coach Leach's point, I think that sometimes um, he acts the difference between MJ and Draymond um, in the how they said what they said or how their ability to lead. I think sometimes, or one difference, obviously, skill. But I think it's oftentimes to be less, it's harder to be less skilled um, and challenge people as the leader. Challenge those that are better than you and say, hey, get better, do this, win this thing. Excellent. Um, you guys are touching on some great points. And I, I keep, you know, wanting to relay this back to the college players and the high school players. Um, there's so many different scenarios that that could go on uh, when it comes to being a good teammate. And uh, frankly, I think I'm trying to compare the last dance team to that Golden State team. Um, I think Draymond Green really took the wrong approach. He he didn't play his cards the way he should. There's no way I let my ego uh, or my voice get in the way of rubbing arguably one of the best players in the, in the world at that time the wrong way where he doesn't want to play with a championship. I don't care what anybody says. There's a lot of players that fought it. Kevin Durant for going to go to state. They had already won championships blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, if I walk into a local YMCA, 24-hour fitness, LA fitness, wherever, and there's pickup games going on, I'm probably most likely going to watch the games first. And when I watch the games, if I have next, I'm not picking up, excuse me, I'm not picking up any players that are just on the sideline, number one. I'm going to see who are the best players that lost on the court, and then I'm going to see who has that basketball swagger on the sidelines. Then I'm going to pick up the rest of my team. Why? Because I want to play with the best players in the gym, and I want to play with players that know how to play the game and know how to play the game the right way. And that's what Kevin Durant did. So there's no way that if I'm Draymond Green, there's no way I rub the best player in the, in, in the world 
the wrong way where he doesn't want to continue to play with a championship team. How do you walk away from that? Um, that's just hard for me. I, I, I don't understand it because they could have won multiple championships. Just like they said, if Jerry Cross wouldn't have had the feelings he had, they probably could have won four or five championships in a row. Who knows? Um, and if Shaq and Kobe could have got along, there could have probably been four or five more championships that they could have won. So there's so many things that go into play. But when you're just talking about Draymond Green, there's nothing I could have said to rub this player the wrong way where he doesn't want to play. And watching first take yesterday or the day before, Draymond Green said that he was irritated with the fact that Kevin Durant never really addressed the media like everybody else did. Draymond Green stated that Kevin Durant never answered the question of whether or not he was going to be with Golden State the following year like Draymond Green did, like Klay Thompson did, like Steph Curry did. It was, Dray it was Kevin Durant's first season there. and He's on that one-year contract, so he's like, hey, let me see how the season goes and you know, we make the decision at the end of the season when, when we get through there. So Draymond Green re never really liked that. And I think that's where the problem landed for Draymond Green. Uh, but anyways, <clears throat> you guys did name uh, some players that came to mind. Uh, so we will move on to the, to the next question and the last question that we have here. Uh, how many people do you think... And this kind of will go in the I mean, it's a great segue to what we we're just talking about. But how many how many people do you guys honestly think understand the business of basketball when it really comes down to it? And we're talking about we're talking about pro basketball and then we can talk about college basketball as well. How many really understand the business? Meaning how many are people there's so many people that are confused upset and blaming Jordan, blaming Phil Jackson and other players about Scottie Pippen's contract that he took. And I know we might have mentioned this just a little bit, but can anybody talk about that, you know, that a little bit more? The business of basketball, and especially during those times, Scottie Pippen took a seven-year contract for 18 mil. And he was underpaid more than other players. But talk about the business of basketball the year he signed that contract. Uh, just touch on that. Go ahead, Coach Leach. Um, so when he was negotiating that, there were a couple of things going on. He wanted to – his family was very poor. He wanted to make sure he was taking care of his family. He was having issues with his back. Um, and so he wanted that security today. And the one thing, and I'm not sure if I read it or if it was in the docu-series, but Jerry Reinsdorf mentioned that at that point in time, that was two years before the TV money went crazy. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, his, and I would, I would hope this happened, but the owner says that he told him, hey, if you sign this, I think you, you may regret it in two years. Mm. Um, and at that point in time, family was most important he didn't know how long he would play with the health issues that he had and he made the comment 
you will not hear from me. And um, everything changed. And I really believe, yeah, you know, I understand the value of signing a contract and making a commitment, but where he was in the last year or two was, um, I think that completely it flipped the, the game, or it should have flipped the game plan, and the Bulls should have done the right thing and anteed up the money. And I, I think I sent a, a, a text to all of you guys <clears throat> That Pippen ended up in his career. The Bulls did take care of him when they traded him to Houston, uh, and they gave him that big contract. And they brought him back when his career was over and gave him ten million. And he ended up making just in NBA money more money than Jordan did. Jordan made sixty some million in his last two years. His total was ninety three million. So all those years he played. You're talking $33 million. So some people have to understand the perspective of when these guys played and before all this all this money yep. um, came into the game. And the, the last thing that, that I'll say is because, you know, we're talking about blaming this person or that person to the breakup of um, that team. It's money, I'm sure, did play a part. But what I want everybody to think about um, – after they watched the second episode and what they're going to see on Thursday. And tell me what kind of coach or what kind of leader could hold all that dissension and somehow break through and still win a championship. But you had Jordan versus Krause. You had Pippen versus Krause. You had Jackson versus Krause. You had a bad relationship with Jordan and Pippen, and you were willing to bring Rodman in. I hope you see some of the things that Rodman did to these guys when the Bulls were up and coming and trying to beat Detroit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's huge. Um, there's a there's a part where Rodman talks about needing a vacation in the <laughs> third episode coming up, yeah. and how Jordan would take that. But the, and then the last thing is the loyalty that was lost between players and management, and how Phil was able to hold that together how he was able to do that with the Lakers. I mean, I think it's it's crazy that somebody would be that somebody that skilled that could hold that together. Steve Kerr struggled with it um, with Golden State and uh, Phil was able to do it twice. I just think he's, you know, head and shoulders above and then the last thing, how crazy is the Bulls organization to not allow or not try to bring that team back. Think of all sports organizations. How many of them broke it, took it down, tore it down before their time? Almost every one that you see went a year too long. But how could you ever walk away from a Michael Jordan, a Phil Jackson, a Scottie Pippen? How could your ego as Jerry Krause be so big that you thought you built that team and you did provide pieces, but you wanted to start that whole process again and walk (laughs) away from some of the greatest players and coaches that ever played in the game. It's mind boggling to me. I'm sorry. I'll let everybody else talk. (laughs) Yeah. That's hard to believe. Uh, Corey, go ahead. No, when I, when we talked about this question, I, I, you know, my initial inkling was I'm going to blame the agent, right? You know, we're, when we talk about basketball business, sports business, business in general, really we all see the dollar sign and 
oh, you know, bright flashing lights. You know, uh, Scotty Pittman's agent at the time was Jimmy Sexton, who is one of the best NFL agents out there. Right now. He negotiated Julio Jones' deal. Da, 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 you know, yeah. Donald Lott has negotiated huge contracts that have been fantastic for people. And uh, looking at the time, as Coach Leach said, it was two years before the TV money. And he took a contract at that time was market value. The problem was the Bulls' ownership would not do opt-out clauses. So Pippen still had two years left on his rookie contract. So he's like, I got a bad back. I'm going to take care of my family. Nobody can blame him for that. Nobody can blame him for that. I was a little worried about Jordan challenging him, like he's being selfish in that last year of his deal. I, I don't know that that's fair to, to Scotty in, in that piece. You know, on one tone, he's saying, this is my best teammate I've ever had, but he was being selfish in this right. You know, business is business, and when you get to that level, you only have a certain number of years to make the money you're going to make. And... Um, that, that to so me, hold on, hold on, hold on. You don't think MJ was right for saying that Scotty was selfish? And, and and I say that only because obviously Jordan had been playing longer than Scotty and Jordan knew the business a lot longer than Scotty. And I'm assuming they had conversations. So I thought when Michael Jordan was saying that, that Scotty was selfish is because, dude, you knew what it was when you got into it. When you signed a contract, it is what it is. And therefore, now you committed to the team. We know that this is the last dance. We know that, that this is this, this is that. After last season, you knew that you had this injury with your back. And you said it yourself. You didn't want to mess up your summer. Actually, he said, I didn't want to fuck up my summer and waste it. And... Uh, and and be you know recovering from a back uh, back injury, uh, so he waited to do it in the season when the contract that he was complaining about he could do nothing about it because there was no going back. So base, excuse me, basically you had already made a commitment to the team, and you knew that this was the last dance. Well, actually, technically, you didn't know this last dance until the season started. But you knew what we were trying to accomplish. We were trying to accomplish a three-peat after we just won the back-to-back. So, yeah, you, you were being selfish because we already made a commitment to us, 15. You can't, you can't punish us because of management. So that's how I took it as why Jordan said he's selfish. Hey, B, I, I mean, both you and Corey on that aspect. But you also got to look at this. Um, Scotty was being selfish, but he also, at that time, was thinking about himself because he had his dad at home in a mobilized wheelchair as long as as well as his o- older brother being at home in a uh, mobilized wheelchair at an early age. He's from a family of 10 people from Arkansas. Every time I 12. go back home, tw- it was, yeah, 12. Every time I go back home, I drive past the little town where he's from, um, going to a relative's house. So I know where he's from. I know the poverty. Um, but... On a side note to that, we're talking about the contract Scotty Pippen signed. That wasn't the worst contract because we're saying it was worth 18 mil. If you look at the numbers, it was actually worth 16.2 million because it was front loaded. Ah. That, if you're looking at somebody that ever signed the worst contract ever in the NBA, is Chris Webber. 
when he came out his rookie year. He signed a rookie contract worth 12 years. Look what it got him. Yeah. Scotty Pippen, he got a raw end of the stick, but he made up for it. Like GL said, the last couple of years when he got traded, went to Houston, when he went to Portland, I mean, he made up for it. I mean, his wife went on TMZ, said we was never poor. True. He did right money because of his family aspect of it. Like I said, he had to take care of. He signed that seven-year contract. Everybody said it was, it was worth 18 mil. You do the numbers on it because it was front-loaded, and they only expected Scottie Pippen to at least last two more years because of his back injury. So they front loaded that contract, and it was actually only worth sixteen point back then sixteen point two million dollars. Hmm. So I mean, <laughs> well, Corey, go ahead and finish. Yeah. So in my rebuttal to Michael being okay with calling him out, Michael also knows business is business, and selfish is selfish. You've got to look out for yourself. And Michael made $33 million a year, right? You can't call somebody out. You're making $33 million. And Michael might not have played and get paid $30 million. At that time, the largest contract was a single season for any sports athlete for a very long time. So to me, that, that that's, hard. that's a hard argument. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in not playing out my teammates in the no matter when it is. So, um, on the flip side of that, it, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I, I would have a hard time with that. <laughs> Scotty Pippen also, though, as an owner, if I'm the Bulls' owner and leadership, no way I let him play out that contract because I want him for the future because Michael is going to leave at some point. And it shows why the Bulls haven't been back in the finals. Ooh, ooh, great point. Uh, so, Michael, uh, can you chime in on this in talking about the business of basketball? I think um, contrary to popular belief, I see both aspects, both sides of the deal. Um, when I'm Scotty, if I'm Scotty in that predicament, um, I don't know if I could not do what he did. Um think all of us as um, the goal or one of the goals in life is to make sure those around you, if you're ever in a position to quote unquote win, you put them in a position better off than how, than how they currently are. Um, so if I were Scotty, I definitely probably would have stayed, took it, took that deal. Um, if you look at the Bulls organization, yes, they made flaws, but isn't that just like everybody else in America wanting to get the most for get the most profit for the least amount of work or as best as possible. Isn't that, we talk about a numbers game, Brandon. Um, that's all America's about. The biggest profit that they can make. Um, and yeah, and I'm not saying that's right at all, but I think that's kind of what happened. And Scotty took the risk. And I would say um, m- most people would have taken that risk. Um Unfortunately, for you know, there weren't rich Pauls back in the day. You know what <laughs> what current kids look at us. One of the greatest agents of all time. Now, um, obviously, I'm not knocking any of the other agents, but you know, I think it's I, I see both sides. I, I I am happy that Scotty made up for it. Um, 
it sucks for the Bulls organization, as Corey said. I think Jordan said 42 years for the Cubs, and I, I really hope the Bulls aren't headed down um, that same slope as Milwaukee has been kicking Chicago around. I'm proud of it for the last couple of years, um, but it's just unfortunate, I think, for the Bulls. But I think that they did what 90% of America has done, dating all the way back to slavery and all that, not to get deep or political or anything like that, but I just think the Bulls did that. Interesting. Um, so I will say when it comes to the, the business side of basketball and the numbers and so on, uh Scotty did what was best for him. Uh, he took a contract uh, that was seven years, 18 mil. Uh, Coach Young mentioned that it was front-loaded. Uh, regardless of the fact, I got to agree with, with Michael Jordan that, that, yeah, he was selfish when it comes to um, not getting the back surgery early. Uh, knowing that he had the injury and specifically doing it uh, as a spiteful gesture to the or to the to management when really you make a commitment to your team the other 14 players uh, and you know we obviously have goals in mind as teammates that you know we're trying to get this three-peat and if he was like wasn't selfish getting the back surgery after they won their last championship doing his rehab over the summer maybe missing a couple preseason games maybe not but being ready to rock and roll when the when the season started is a commitment that oh he had foot surgery okay so he had foot surgery Either or back surgery or foot surgery. If you get that surgery at the end of the season, Coach B, Coach B, slow down a little bit. It was, it was he had a bad foot. He needed foot surgery at the end of the season. He neglected to get that foot surgery because he didn't want to f up his summer. Exactly. So regardless, whatever it was, he had to get surgery, and he didn't get it for selfish reasons, meaning. He was doing it to be spiteful to management when you have a commitment that you make to the team. Now, if we we are all coaches, if we have a player on our team that was the arguably one of the best players on the team, they got injured and they waited until before season started to get that surgery. As a coach, I think that you would definitely call out that player to be selfish, knowing this injury happened at the end of the season. When the season was over, you could have got this taken care of and then been ready for the season. Yeah, you're going to call that player selfish. Go ahead, Corey. Let's hear from you. So Corey's new to... uh, No, no, you, you just muted me. But... Phil Jackson actually came out and said that he didn't blame him for doing it. He said it, but uh, you were, you, I think you might have heard Michael Jordan say this uh, in an interview where, you know, I never seen any management play with the flu. 
I never seen, you know, any management play 82 games, playoff games. You know, that's the same way with the coaches. Um, I think for myself, some people look at me me crazy when I, especially in my parents' meetings at the beginning of the season, and often when uh, when I get the chance to talk about my team, uh, I often say that us as coaches, I really don't give credit to my coaching staff for the wins nor the losses. Uh, and I, I tell them in our parents' meeting, you, you won't be able to blame my coaching staff for any losses, and you won't be able to blame our coaching staff for any wins, simply because we don't we can't play any minutes. We can't play any minutes at all. Uh, but I will give credit to the players that come out and do the necessary things that we want them to do. And I also give credit to 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 the parents because you guys are a big influence. So at the end of the day, it comes down to those players that are committed to the team. It doesn't come down to coaches or management. If you make a commit if you make a commitment to the team and you're on that team, keep your commitment. Don't be selfish like Scotty. So who wins championships then? Because according to this GM at that particular moment, in that particular time, when Scotty Pippen was like, fuck this, I'm not messing up my summer for this, I think that GM came up in a statement saying, players don't win championships. That, G- that GM said that because media, now we're talking. He said the media uh, twisted his words up when he was making that comment. Of MJ, Scotty Pippen on the team, first championship, then the third three peak, you took you threw Scott or uh, Dennis Rodman in there. You were winning championships with the likes of um and, and I wanna say about this new era of basketball is you had a uh, a dynamic duel that teamed up in Miami with three superstars. Um you go back to the Golden State eras. You had the Bulls winning championships after they got constantly, constantly beat up by Detroit. Um, and then what that what happened in that Boston series with the likes of MJ and just Scottie Pippen in a first three-peat. And then you go to the third one, you threw that third player in there. They never had that super team what you can transform in today where we're talking about Scotty Pippen's contracts or these Supermax deals that everybody can get uh, versus now. Um, they they made basketball to what it is now. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out, I'm going to go on a limb and say this right here. After the first Bulls 3 peak, when I was looking at the numbers after GL sent us a, a nice long article, um, after the Bulls' first 3 peak, the NBA has never consistently played defense after the first Bulls three-peat, if you look at the numbers today. Interesting. Interesting. I have a question, I guess, back to just a rebuttal, Brandon, on your question of calling, or George's statement of calling Pippen selfish. Um, Could it have been mistrust? from from leadership or management um, that caused him to do that. I mean, as a player, obviously I'm called to play the game. We talk about my commitment to the team, but my commitment is to the organization. Um, and sometimes 
you have to you have to do what's best for you and you can call it selfish but some of the decisions that were made um i think led to mistrust from pip yeah but when it comes to professional basketball what you have with management and the organization you have to take up with them it's not fair that you penalize your teammates who you go to war with, go to battle with, blood, sweat, and tears with. You don't penalize those guys for something that management is in control of. So, for instance, uh, that's why I wanted to talk about the business of basketball. When it came to me and my contracts, uh, I can remember one year specifically where I joined a team where there were seven veteran players on there, really good veteran players. They were all in their contract year. So they were in their final year of their contract, and they were trying to re-up, and they were thinking about going other places. Now, the team was struggling just a little bit, uh, and I, I don't think they were really struggling because they were still like the number two in the league team in the league, but they were struggling to score. So they brought me in to just strictly score the basketball and then help them get wins, okay? Now, did these other contract players know that that's what they brought me in? That's what the coach said? That's what management said? No, they didn't know that. So when I came in, what did I come in to do? I came in to score. I was just scoring, scoring, scoring. Now, that caused a little tension in between uh, myself and some of those players that were in contract years. I didn't know they were in contract years until they told me. And I finally found out about this, and I'll never forget this. This was like very lucky for me. The coach specifically called a play for me four plays in a row. And this is what I try to explain to a lot of guys. Like, with professional basketball, if you listen to uh, Joe Dumars on that whole Bad Boys uh uh, documentary they talked about if you if in a pro basketball if a play works we're going to run that play 12 13 14 times until it stop if until somebody stops it and then we're going to try it a couple more times so this this coach ran this play four times in practice and it kept working the big fella who wanted some touches got pissed off at me he kept telling me to pass the ball and run his play i was listening to the coach who was at the who was up at the the half court line telling me to run a specific play Finally, I got so pissed off because he kept asking for the ball. I said, you want the ball? I showed it to him, and then I kicked it, booted it. All of a sudden, the ball goes like there's one window open in the stadium, and the ball goes out the window out of the stadium. And that, that, was, just, uh, that was just pure luck. But anyways, that happened because they didn't know how management was operating. So Scottie Pippen had a problem with management and that allowed him to, I don't know, I guess kind of put his teammates in a bad position. They started the season off when they, did they just leave that season, that, that previous season, 72 and 10? And they finished that last season, 62 and 20? Am I right? With that? Well, I, I think they, I think though, talking about putting him in a bad position, he probably is thinking, you know what? Really, the most important part of the season is January to June at the NBA level. Yep. 
we have Michael Jordan, we have Dennis Rodman, we have Ron Harper, we have this young Croatian dude named Tony Kukoc. Um, if I sit out a little bit and enjoy my summer and hopefully get paid out of this, and you also selfish the, the basketball, Brandon, is you are your own business entity. You are you are also a business. Your body's a business. You are a business. And sometimes you have to make business decisions. And you know it it may have been wrong to do that. I'm not I'm not saying I agree with Scotty Pippen's decision. What I'm saying what was wrong is as a teammate you don't go to the media and call another teammate out, right? Like Draymond was talking about how he didn't like the media stuff. However, Draymond's out in the media calling out his teammates. You don't do that. That's Jordan didn't do that. Yeah. Well, he did now. Now. And, and but you don't do you don't do that over time. Um, you never you never do that to your brothers. Um, you may have problems behind doors. You may say, hey, you know what? I don't agree with this. That that's something. That I, Brett Favre made that mistake with Javon Walker, and. It costs the Packers. It costs the Packers having Javon Walker. Um, it, it, it's easy to speak and say, hey, sit out. Or, hey, play. But it's really easy to say that when you're making $30 million and that guy's making two. Yeah, yeah. The one thing I'll say about it is him sitting out may have helped the Bulls win it. There was Ooh. a lot of management was actively trying to trade him. Yeah, and, and voicing it in the uh, media. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's tough for a guy to take. And um, like Corey said, he's human. You know, he, he made a mistake in the moment. Um, at least that all of us who believe in team and commitment would say, you know, that that's, that's a mistake. And, uh, but, man, those are some tough circumstances. Yeah. Especially when you brought the, <laughs> you brought the organization how many championships? Right. I mean, go back to, I think, the first one, um, the first three-peat. Um, what you guys said, and then especially the DL, um, team was trying to trade them. What would have the Bulls look like with one of the trades, I know for a fact, um, with Sean Kemp on the team? Because um, I know that was one of the trades um, they threw out there, uh, Scotty Pippen for Sean Kemp. Um for him to do what he did after the first repeat and then winning the two championships before the foot surgery or the foot incident before he came back after winning 72 games and said, F it, I'm not messing up my summer. How are you supposed to take that? You've been trade bait since you signed a seven-year contract, $18 million. You've been trade bait every single year. How are you actually supposed to take that? Yeah, yeah. When is enough? So uh, we're going on part three uh, of the podcast at 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. Uh, we want to close out here uh, with some lasting final words. Uh, we gave some tips uh, to high school basketball players that listen into the podcast. Uh, answer some of the questions that they threw at us, which I thought was excellent, excellent tips. Uh, and then, of course, we had to talk about the last dance, the first two uh, segments of the docu-series. Uh, and we have eight more to watch to dig a little deeper in on the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, 
uh, in their last run of their second three-peat. So just some last words uh, that you can do in 45 seconds or less uh, on this segment until we can continue in and chime in next week. Uh, Michael, we want to start with you. Um, Coach, Coach Leach, did you want to start us off? Okay. We like to let the the, the mature coaches uh, kind of close us out. Um, so, Michael, can you close us out with some, some words on this segment? Wait, so did you just call me immature? No. Okay. I'll just mature meaning like cheese, wine. Okay. Okay. Because okay. my lawyer was going to have something drafted up in your mailbox by 6.30 a.m. tomorrow morning. But I'll tell him just to call the documents back. So no worries there. Um, I would say um, takeaways um, is kind of how we started started this um, conversation. And I think the great um, talking about the last dance was great. But talking about being mentally tough um, is really key for athletes. Um, one thing that we did touch on in the documentary that I'm sure we'll touch on at some point. Um, but be the teammate. Find a way to be the teammate to pull the, the best out of each individual player. Um, I'm not saying the way Jordan did it was right, as he was kind of a jerk at times. But try to be the teammate to, to always be on your top level, but also be the teammate that you want to pull the best out of people. Excellent. Jordan a jerk. That was the first time I heard that. Uh, I would have to highly disagree with that. But we're going to take that because it came from you, Mike. Uh, yeah, okay. I won't even touch on that. That's cool. We you don't... were big, big close, too, but we'll leave that alone. I know that you and him got a few things in common. <laughs> uh, Coach Young. Closing it out with this, the three C's. Corey, you know three of them. Um, me and Corey, I, I took it from a message I got from Corey. I ran with it. I bought the book. Um, three C's. Um, then we'll talk about the next segment. Uh, one of them is the, the, the cleaner, the closer, and the cooler. Just think about it. Excellent. Three C's, the cleaner, the closer, and the cooler. Hmm. We will talk about that on the next segment. I can't wait to hear more on that one. Maybe we can kind of define the three of those too, Coach, Coach Young, if you would. Cleaner, closer, and cooler on, that next, on the next podcast. Um, hey, I'm looking forward to it. It was a book. I heard about it. Um, and then, uh, What's the name of that book? Relentless. Oh, I didn't know we were starting a book club. Okay, but now I know. For those of you guys that are listening in, uh, Coach Young and Coach Corey. Uh, and by the way, we go with Coach Corey, his first name, because his last name is extremely hard uh, to pronounce. And we don't want to mess up the last name. Shishelshik. Um Yeah. So anyways, try saying that three times fast. Um, so they they held up the book Relentless uh, by the world's famous trainer, Tim Grover, out of Chicago. He was Michael Jordan's trainer. Um, 
He's Kobe Bryant's trainer, Karam Butler, uh, and the many other great ones, Dwayne Wade, and so on. Uh, Coach Corey, we're going to come to you. Uh, you know, I think that idea, you know, if you take one thing away from our podcast is just listen, learn, have fun, um, and really get to wa- keep watching this Bulls documentary because obviously we don't have a whole lot else to watch. Um, but to me, uh, you know, if I were to pull one thing away is what being a good leader is, what, you know, what are people looking for? And um, be that cleaner mentality. Be the dude that's going to be that leader. And anybody can be that. Anyone can be. Anyone can be that anytime. So, but, yeah, that's all I have to leave. Okay. Uh, Coach Leach. All right, I'll be the meatball of the group. Uh, What I would hope everybody takes away from watching the first episode and and the second episode is all that rare highlight footage that when that you see or that you you saw in that that you don't really see um, when they talk about Michael Jordan that 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 skinny little guy going to the hole and some of those acrobatic moves I had forgotten about all them so go back watch it again next Sunday because they're playing Episode one and episode two, ahead of three and four, and enjoy that because um, we don't get to see it enough. Wow, excellent! Um, uh, because you guys can't see these fellas, uh, they are. I got Coach Holden. He has. I think he's coming to us live from San Francisco. I think he's sitting out somewhere. Uh, behind or in front of the Golden Gate Bridges. I know they're in uh, strict quarantine uh, in San Francisco area. Um, as But I, as I can tell from Michael's social media, I'm looking at it now, he hasn't been paying any attention to those strict quarantine, safer at home lockdown. That sounds like harassment, sir. <laughs> um, but anyways, uh, I, I do want let, to let, let listeners know uh, this, this group of coaches, uh, we respect each other. We respect each other's craft. We have fun. We give each other a hard time. Uh, but I think most importantly, again, uh, we do have fun with the game of basketball. I know some of the listeners said some of the listeners said that, um, you know, they're, they're looking for all these different advices about what it takes to be get better, what the coaches look for. And one of the players, these guys are very funny. I wish you guys can see these guys right now. Uh, anyways, one of the one of the players mentioned um What does it take uh, for a player to get noticed who's doing all that they can, but they're still not getting the playing time? And I want to leave you guys with that. We won't even 
answer that one. We want to start the segment off uh, next week with that. I'll say it again. What does it take for a player to get noticed? And I'm assuming that notice part means playing more playing time. What does it take for that player to get noticed uh, when he's doing everything that they can, but they're still not getting the playing time? Uh, so I think a lot of players fight and battle with that uh, as high school players and as college players. Um, so whatever advice and tips you guys can give those guys uh, for that, I think they're going to be looking forward to that because so many players talk about that. Everybody wants more playing time. Parents want more playing time for their kids. And it's those players that are on the cusp and they feel like they're doing everything they can, uh, but they're still not getting the playing time they, they think they deserve. So give us some give us some advice on that. And I think we'll start the podcast next week. Uh, with that question and just get it rolling. I'm sure this this uh, series three and four uh, of of um, the last dance is going to be even more interesting because they're getting into the whole Dennis Rodman, whatever you want to call it. He had a lot going on, but it looks very interesting. Um, just one word, one word only. How do you feel about the podcast, uh, the direction of the podcast tonight? Coach Leach, give us one word. Excited. Excited. Coach. I, it's, yeah, sorry. You know I want to say more, but yeah, I'll say excited. <laughs> Actually, let's hear a little more, though. You said excited, and what else? It's, I'm just excited because it, it, I grew up during that time. Love the Bulls, like love Michael Jordan. And to sit here and talk about it and hear everybody's like, perspective uh it's exciting i, I mean I'll, I'll hit off on the computer screen and and probably go back to the tv and watch it it's just generating <laughs> so much excitement for me especially in a time when we don't have anything to watch yeah that's true true uh coach cory nostalgic coach holden informative Coach Young. Going on a limb like DL did. I think this is dope. Um, especially growing up as a kid, I got, I mean, I can say I was there. I saw MJ play. Um, I have his autograph. But I was watching something yesterday, and Common said something. I don't know how many players out there or the younger generation know Common was a ball boy when Jordan was coming up. Oh, yeah. Common was asked by a young by one of his friends to go and get Jordan's autograph. And Jordan said, you sign it. Common signed it, took it back to the kid, and it was fake. Common had to pay that kid some money. I mean, there's just so much. I mean, I really like the fact that we're doing this. Um, I mean, I, I really think it's dope. I really do think it's dope. I mean, the the legacy, I mean, you look at GL, you look at we got a college coach, we got BL that, you know, BMO that played all over the place, whatever, G. in different countries um this experience is dope i mean this experience is dope i gotta go (laughs) so uh i would like to welcome bl to the podcast we have the gl and the bl so anyways we're going to close out with that 
Thank you guys for listening. Coaches, thank you guys for contributing so much. I can't wait to continue on next next uh, next week after watching the last dance this coming Sunday. Tune in to us next week. You can be more podcast. Chill. We out.